Hey everyone, welcome to Sound in Motion. My name is Peter, and today we're going to be taking a look at the score for one of my favorite movies of all time, The Matrix, from 1999, directed by Lily and Lana Wachowski, with original music by Don Davis. Uh, I hadn't watched The Matrix in quite a while, and when I decided to revisit it recently, uh, I was surprised at just how much orchestral music there was in the movie, not to mention how rich and thoughtful it is. As a mainstream sci-fi score, I consider it to be nearly perfect. It's a great example of how music can really tie all of the other elements of a movie into a nice bow and really elevate all of those elements too. It may not have the sweeping leitmotifs of a John Williams Star Wars score, but it's the right sound for this type of movie. On its surface, The Matrix may just look like a fun sci-fi action movie, which was not exactly uncommon in the 80s and 90s, but of course it's so much more than that. Its most recognizable achievement is probably its visual mastery, but it's worth pointing out how great the script is too. It's a tight story that knows when to reveal certain bits of information and when to allow the audience to fill in the blanks for themselves. Its philosophical elements have become a staple of academic scholarship, and its rebellious attitude resonated with people who were fed up with our culture of malaise. All of these elements played a part in making The Matrix stand out in a sea of sci-fi action movies. I think that Don Davis' score is the last ingredient that makes the movie feel so fleshed out. I always like to put myself in the composer's shoes when they're first determining what the score will sound like for any movie. All of those questions you have to ask, like, uh, is my score going to primarily drive the emotional feeling of each scene? Or is it mostly going to function in the background while creating a certain mood, kind of like a John Carpenter score? Another question is, what kind of orchestration am I going for? Like, will it be a traditional Western orchestra, like a symphonic orchestra? Or maybe a more electronically driven score, or some kind of hybrid, which is the case with The Matrix. But maybe the most important question is, how will my score measure up to the other elements in the film? So, you look at the original Star Wars, let's say, and it almost feels quaint in its earnestness. It's an intentionally corny fairy tale set in a sci-fi universe. It's not moody or mysterious, it's very sincere, and it, just, it has a real can-do attitude. And of course the music perfectly reflects all of that. The Matrix, on the other hand, is a different kind of beast. It's dealing with a much darker subject matter. A movie about machines enslaving humans would not be well served with a Star Wars-esque swashbuckling score. The music for The Matrix needs to provide a real sense of urgency for the action scenes while also supporting the more fantastical science fiction elements. Have you ever had a dream, Neo, that you were so sure was real? What if you were unable to wake from that dream? How would you know the difference between the dream world and the real world? This can't be. Be what? Be real? There's so much music in this movie, you could probably spend days just talking about it. So I'd like to zero in on three big things that I think make this score work so well. Number one, it's a critical component of the pacing and tone of the movie. It 
it moves things along at a brisk speed, and even in the movie's quieter moments, the score still has kind of an active energy to it, and it keeps the tone of each scene really clear and consistent. The second thing is that the score is very much filtered through Neo's perspective, our main character. I think this is a big reason the movie feels so exciting to watch, because the audience discovers important information through his point of view, and the music does a lot of heavy lifting in that area. And third, the music does a lot in terms of world building. In other words, it, it fleshes out the feeling of being in the Matrix. It gives a real vibrancy and life to our understanding of both the real world and the Matrix, the computer program. So let's just dive in with my first point about pacing and tone. This is something that I like to harp on a lot, but for a movie like this, it's probably the music's most important role, especially when you consider the difficult balancing act it has to pull off. Because it's not just an action movie, there are a lot of fleshed out science fiction concepts at play. So your score needs to be more than just propulsive high energy music. You need to find sounds that reinforce the strange nature of the sci-fi elements. But at its heart, it's a story about a character undergoing a drastic transformation. So you need to have some type of emotional resonance in your music. There are moments that are tense and quiet, what the hell do they want from me? I don't know, but if you don't want to find out, I suggest you get out of there. How? I can guide you, but you must do exactly as I say. Or thrilling and explosive. <laughs> Contemplative. Your muscles have atrophied. We'll be building them. Why am I, sir? You've never used them before. Heroic? and so on. My point here is that there are so many shades of emotion that need to be conveyed clearly in the score, but they all need to have some type of unifying sound. It really is impressive when you consider that Don Davis not only perfectly pulls off his balancing act, but that he does it with such a unique sound. I think a lot of this is due to the influences Davis is pulling from. The most obvious influence to me is from John Adams, the composer, not the president who is probably best known as a minimalist composer. His orchestral work, Short Ride in the Fast Machine from 1986, has its fingerprints all over Davis's score for The Matrix. These incredibly dense textures with all sorts of different pulses and rhythms moving together, it's the perfect sound for action scenes like this moment in the helicopter during their rescue mission. It's really high energy and it feels urgent. It's very rhythmically active and all these brass and woodwind colors just move so fluidly around each other. It's incredibly effective. As impressive as the big action music cues are, what I've come to really appreciate is Davis's ability to effortlessly build up tension to those moments. Sometimes he sets up an imminent threat and cranks up the adrenaline in a matter of seconds. Other times he creates a lingering sense of dread for an event later on in the story. 
and this isn't to say he's the only composer who does this. There are endless examples of film score composers strengthening the anticipation of certain moments. But in the case of a movie like The Matrix, it's the small details that matter. It's about the colors that Davis chooses and when to employ them, how to balance the on-screen visuals with his musical cues so as to not be too overwhelming. A great example is what I'd call the agent's cue. It appears anytime there's an immediate threat of an agent showing up, the movie's primary antagonists. A black cat went past us, and then another that looked just like it. How much like it? Was it the same cat? Might have been, I'm not sure. Switch, APOC. What is it? A deja vu is usually a glitch in the Matrix. It happens when they change something. These like ugly half-step notes in the brass that just keep stacking on top of each other, it's, it's such a sharp and aggressive sound. He doesn't try to sneak in a menacing cue, he just comes right out with it, and it's so compelling. Or how about when our heroes are hiding in the walls while the SWAT team tries to sniff them out? One cue that I really love because it works on multiple levels for me. We hear it when Neo has just visited the Oracle and he's on his way back to rendezvous with the rest of the crew. most immediate benefit of this cue is that it keeps the energy and tone consistent and driving forward when the rest of the movie kind of slows down a bit. The first act of the movie has all this great mystery as Neo discovers for himself the truth about the real world and the Matrix. And the third act is essentially an extended action sequence. So both are very high energy. But the second act slows things down a bit so we can really get a better sense of this new reality and what's at stake, which is refreshing. But that one cue, as low-key and unobtrusive as it is, still maintains a sense of urgency. It primes us for the fact that our heroes are about to face a new challenge. It's also a great cue because, much like the John Adams inspiration, Davis is again pulling from the minimalist playbook. Here we have two simple rhythmic patterns. The drums, which are playing a straightforward 4-4 beat. And the melodic line, which is almost a 4-4 pattern before it repeats. But Davis instead cuts the melodic line one eighth note short, thereby repeating it on the last eighth note of the drums pattern. Now that may sound a bit confusing, but the big point here is that he has two lines moving together almost in sync, but the patterns don't quite match up.
it's pretty subtle, but it's a nice nod to composers like David Lang, whose music utilizes this type of rhythmic grouping. It's just an interesting way to create something that feels slightly off kilter without drawing too much attention to it. One last thing I'll say about the pacing is that I really appreciate how Don Davis carefully matches the speed of the movie and not just the mood. Uh, a really great example is when Neo is first uh, awoken in the real world and he's brought aboard the Nebuchadnezzar. The crew is running all sorts of procedures on him to rehabilitate his body. It's a pretty quiet stretch of the movie, and it uses a lot of fades and dissolves in the editing, too. It gives us a warped sense of time and space. It's disorienting and very eerie, and Davis's score pulls a lot of weight here. Unlike a lot of other musical cues in the movie, this moment doesn't have any aggressive driving rhythms. Uh, it's actually very sparsely orchestrated. There's really only two musical lines that move together. The vocal line, which repeats the same two notes, and those arpeggios that just kind of swell and disappear. It's a great way to aurally capture that sense of lost time and the uncanny mood of the whole scene. Another reason I really like the rehabilitation scene aboard the ship, and this leads to my next big point, is that this scene, like the rest of the movie, is very much told through Neo's perspective. All the characters are quietly talking to each other, sometimes the characters look directly into the camera like it's a POV shot, etc. And the music really reflects that, that sense of perspective. I think it's a big part of why this movie works so well. Pretty much every scene and important story beat is viewed through Neo's perspective. He's the audience insert character. We learn about what's at stake and we see events unfold through him. There are so many little musical sounds that complement Neo's viewpoint. For instance, whenever something strange or mysterious happens, you hear the scraping of a gong or the water phone being bowed. These aren't exactly novel sound effects, but they're employed so carefully here. It's always used for Neo realizing something or his reaction to something happening. Yes. Now. Do it slowly. The elevator. These sounds occur throughout the movie, but I find that it's particularly effective when it's used in the first act of the movie. Because at that point, Neo hasn't been woken up in the real world yet, but he knows the world he's currently living in isn't the full truth. So hearing those sounds, those gong scrapes and the water phone, in conjunction with Neo's reactions, really gives those moments some extra weight. I can't. I have uh, work tomorrow. Ah. It'll be fun, I promise.
Yeah. Sure. I'll go. Not only does the music match Neo's reactions, it also helps underline his character growth throughout the story. As the movie goes along, Neo starts to realize he's going to have to make some really tough decisions. His visit to the Oracle really ratchets up the stakes for the rest of the movie. She tells him that Morpheus believes Neo is the one, and no amount of convincing will change his mind to the point where he will give his life to protect Neo. And now Neo is left with a really difficult decision, Morpheus's life or his own. And in this particular scene, the music becomes pretty sobering and serious. Morpheus believes in you, Neo. And no one, not you, not even me, can convince him otherwise. He believes it so blindly that he's going to sacrifice his life to save yours. What? You're going to have to make a choice. In the one hand, you'll have Morpheus's life. And in the other hand, you'll have your own. One of you is going to die. It's like Neo is understanding that being woken up in the real world and fighting for a revolution will come with a serious cost. It's representative of his growth from a mindless drone in the Matrix to a hero in the real world. And this serious musical sound is further developed at the end of the movie when Neo realizes that he is, in fact, the one. Is the one. It's a rewarding payoff for the audience, having seen Neo get his ass thoroughly kicked not that long ago. It's a great way to underline the idea that Neo is transformed into the hero he was always meant to be. isn't the only piece of music to outline Neo's growth as a character. One of the most indelible pieces of music is effectively used to clue in the audience on Neo's trajectory throughout the movie. first use of this cue comes early in the movie, before we even hit the 20 minute mark, when Neo is trying to evade the agents at his office. Morpheus is on the phone with him, giving him instructions for his escape, and Neo has a difficult choice to make. Trust Morpheus, a man he's never met before, or be taken by the agents. You take a chance either way, I leave it to you. This is insane. What's this happening to me? What I do? Nobody do anything. This cue is really nice because the strings are slightly out of phase, as in they don't quite line up, and the harmony feels really unbalanced, like there's a lot of tension in that sound. 
And to me, this cue is about Neo being faced with a choice and all of the uncertainty that goes with decision making. It indicates that Neo has a long journey ahead of him. Uh, we also hear a brief reminder of that cue under the bridge when Trinity comes to pick him up and just before he meets Morpheus for the first time. The next time we hear that cue is towards the end of the movie when Neo finally believes he is the one. It's a great way to subtly remind the audience of where Neo was at the beginning of the story and where he is at the end of the story. And it's great because where those strings previously felt unbalanced and full of tension, now they're situated in a major chord. So it sounds peaceful, not tense or unbalanced. At the beginning of the movie, Neo is simply trying to avoid being taken into the agent's custody, but he's not willing to trust Morpheus. It's insane. Why is this happening to me? At the end of the movie, his potential is fully realized and his trust in Morpheus and himself pays off. The last big point I want to mention mostly relates to the world building in the movie. The score uses a lot of techniques and colors to give an aural vibrancy to the setting and certain actions. Once again, drawing on minimalist techniques, Davis frequently constructs motifs that continually repeat the first four notes of a minor scale. It can be scored with heavy brass or some lighter woodwinds or strings. It can occur at different tempos. The notes can either be in ascending or descending motion, etc. But that sense of repetition in an ascending or descending contour creates a sonic image of the endless streams of code. It essentially creates a musical cue for the actual image of the Matrix coding sequence. And we hear it many times throughout the movie to help remind the audience that the events taking place are occurring in a computer simulation. One example is during the jump training program where Morpheus tests Neo by making him leap from one building to the next. Tank, load the jump program. Those repetitive notes moving at a brisk tempo really help create some excitement, but in keeping with the world building idea, it's also helpful to have that musical cue remind us that they are literally in a computer program at that moment. It's not like an insanely complex attempt at text painting, but it's just a subtle little reminder and it gives life to this world. Right. No problem. Free my mind. Free my mind. No problem. Another instance of hearing those four notes repeated is in the subway showdown with Neo and Agent Smith. Here it's used to create excitement and tension, but it's not nearly as playful as the cue from the jump program. Instead, Davis orchestrates the cue primarily for brass, relying on their volume and punchy articulation to give weight to that moment. 
also a little bit slower in tempo, so it doesn't feel as freewheeling as that jump sequence. It's an intense moment, and the music really needs to convey that. Another recurring idea throughout the movie is mirrors and reflections. Many shots and scenes depict some concept of mirrored images, and Davis's score does that as well. The first sounds you hear in the entire movie convey the idea of a mirrored reality. It's a simple idea, an E minor triad followed by a C major triad. The way that they swell in and out of each other gives us a sense of the blurred line between reality and the matrix. And even just the fact that it's the first sound you hear in the entire movie, like it's priming you to think about these ideas that play out in the rest of the movie. It's also interesting to hear it during the bullet time sequence towards the end of the movie. This time, those triads are separated by an interval called a tritone, which sounds like this. It's a sound that we usually don't like to hear. It's dissonant and it kind of makes you wince a bit. But in this instance, Davis has a D major triad against an A flat major triad. flat are a tritone apart, but here it doesn't sound ugly or make you wince. It sounds otherworldly and fantastical, which is the perfect sound for dodging bullets. And the last thing I'd like to draw attention to is just some of the sounds that Davis uses throughout the movie, specifically the waterphone and the anvil. Now, I mentioned the waterphone earlier as it relates to Neo's perspective, but I think it also works really well as a world-building tool. And if you're not familiar with a waterphone, it's essentially a large vase with metal poles surrounding it. And when you fill the vase with water and pull a stringed bow across those metal poles, it creates a harsh and screeching sound. It's common to hear this sound in a horror movie, but it works perfectly in the Matrix because the sound of the water phone is kind of glassy almost and it creates the sense of a reflection or a mirrored image. I also love the sound of the anvil. It's a perfect representation of this new reality. When you see the real world, it's very raw. Lots of metal, everything looks grimy and rusted, nothing looks organic. And it's just, it looks like a very harsh and decaying world. And the metallic clang of that anvil really drives home the feeling of that world.
so I think that just about wraps up my thoughts on Don Davis's score for The Matrix. As I talked about earlier, there's so much music in this movie, represented in so many different styles that you really could just spend days talking about it. And while I'd love to do that, it probably wouldn't make for the most exhilarating podcast. But those big points I mentioned are why this score sticks out to me. It drives our feelings throughout the movie, it elevates the audience's understanding of the main character, and it helps to create a fleshed out and believable universe, and it does all of this with a unified sound that blends many different genres together. I think there are some great lessons film composers could learn from this score. Davis's attention to detail makes the score feel like a vital part of the movie. There's so much color and vibrancy in his music, and I think that's why it's so memorable. There's real artistic expression in his music, and that's enhanced by the influence of composers like John Adams, Steve Reich, and David Lang, just to name a few. I hope we eventually see, or rather hear, a return to this type of scoring in mainstream blockbusters. Either way, I'm just happy that Don Davis's Matrix score stands as a powerful example of how music can play an essential role in not only elevating a movie, but in redefining the sci-fi and action genres. Alright, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, be sure to subscribe and give your highest rating to this podcast wherever you're listening. Uh, you can also find Sound in Motion on Instagram and Twitter as well. Alright, take care, everyone.